today I'm talking with Ann Krober, a longtime friend and mentor of mine. And uh, I've known Ann since 2001 when I was an intern of hers. And uh, at the time, uh, you had your office at the Saul Zance building in Berkeley, right? Yes, I did. And uh, you called me a mentor, but I've been telling people recently that Michael, I used to be his mentor, but now he's <laughs> my mentor. <laughs> no, it's just such a wonderful a wonderful collaboration and help and friendship over the years. Yeah. And should, can I tell you about, well, I could tell, tell, yeah, tell you a little story about Jack yeah. Douglas coming to the... Oh, sure, yes. When, it, when Mike was, yeah. Mike was uh, interning with me, mm-hmm. uh, when he was at Expressions, and he was working on my library and doing a you know, wonderful job. Mm-hmm. And um, Mike volunteered to help Jack Douglas, who had um, was teaching at the school for a month. Mm-hmm. And Mike volunteered to help him, kind of show him around and stuff. And Mike told him about, um, you know, me and David Lynch and that, you know, and, and Jack was a real fan of David Lynch's. So they came over to see the library and to meet me and to talk and so on. And it was you know, a lovely <laughs> meeting. And um, Mike went to the men's room and Jack came to me and he goes, Boy, you are so lucky. Mm-hmm. I wish I had somebody working for me like that. You, oh gosh, you know that you have that. Guy. Little did he know. And I said to him, <laughs> I said, Jack, I am lucky. You're absolutely <laughs> yeah. right. And I would abs- I would love it if you would take Mike because he really deserves yeah, it. Yeah, it was it was a type of and thing. You can, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a special project that he was doing. It was an incredible project that he was doing where he was he was making a. What, what album was it? Oh, it was, was, it? It was Aerosmith album. It was at the an time, Aerosmith yeah. album. Yeah, yeah, sure. And he wanted, and he took Mike to uh, to come and help out. Well, Mike just had this knack <laughs> for taking photographs. Yeah, right. And so on the on the backside, he just took shot photos, and and he made a video of the making of the album, and they liked it so much they used it on the album. I love this. this is good. They, I'm glad they, you remember all this. And they used <laughs> they used the video, to, and this was the start of his yeah, career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just started. He realized but that before, he had. Before, but before <laughs> all of this, yeah. uh, I would say that you know I spent probably two plus years working with you in your library, right? Right. So. I mean, I want to start there, which, which to me, okay, so for anyone who's not familiar with you and your work and, and your sound effects and your library, Sound Mountain, there's an incredible history, and, and obviously that starts with your career and you and your late husband, Alan Splett, meeting and and beginning work on an incredible library. Oh, it was incredible, and it was incredible having you be able to to. to see a part of it and to yeah. help with it and I mean I had such wonderful students that came in and I my, that library is so quirky I mean it's such an, an I have an awesome library I have an awesome collection of sounds and I'm I've uh, been oh I could say the word neurotic about it over the years <laughs> I'm very protective of it because sure. I just I, I don't think if, if if I were helping somebody else out I'm sure I'd have great suggestions and have all kinds of ideas for how to but because it was Alan, my late husband, and it was, and he died, you know, at a young age. I mean, we, you know, it was very mm-hmm. hard for me to, to just give it out anywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, what I ended up doing was maybe not the most lucrative, but mm-hmm. it was in a way the most satisfying. I formed a company called Sound Mountain, and. I've supplied sounds for people that have contacted me with movies and games, and usually I end up talking to them because I can tell who they are. Yeah, right sure. away, you know, if I chat with them on Skype and you know, people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And I've had some amazing 
collaborations. Yeah. And um, I've helped provide sounds for them. And so it's more than just, you know, having a, a list and going, oh, well, you know, I've got six of these and seven of these right. and blah, blah. It's more of a, gosh, you know, maybe for that um, that dragon sound, if we combined a little bit of the pit bull and you do blah, blah, blah with it. Mm-hmm. And we'll, and that and, and, and this... Um, um, this oven rack that I put a contact microphone on and it screams and the two of those sounds together and you know that kind of thing that you can't really find and have a catalog for or and I've anyway I've done that over the years and I've had some wonderful wonderful people and and people that have gone on to become really famous (laughs) I I have several interns of beginning and have multiple academy awards yeah yeah, that's incredible (laughs) well I was gonna say a lot of the sounds too and just in in more recent past you've had some stuff I think in Lord of the Rings and different aspects yes. of Star Wars. Star Wars, exactly. Just this past year, um, uh, the guy who won the best game for sound, mm. we worked together. I supplied ninety percent. What game was that? Um, it, inside. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, it's he's from uh, Denmark. Okay. And um, yeah, I supplied it. Just a, it, 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 I noticed online there was somebody who was saying, you know, those sounds sound very David Lynching. Well, because because <laughs> <laughs> it, it just happened that, to be from it there. Just, for a lot of it came from. That. Yeah. But, but um, no, it was just. Yeah. But but Martin's. I don't want to take away anything from him because he was, right. he's a brilliant designer, and there was just this lovely back and forth and mm-hmm. kind of understanding, and and that's and, and Peter Albrechtson, who's also become does Atmos pictures now. These ginormous mm-hmm. things that not Americans don't even know what Atmos is, but then mm-hmm. you know there's what, eighty or ninety speakers or something in it. Oh, there's you know, a lot. Yeah, sure. Huge. Yeah, yeah. Know, and. Um, yeah, so I've been, you know, working with Peter and just, oh, you know, anyway, I've, I've yeah. been very fortunate. I've had some wonderful people to, you know, to... So something about something about which people don't realize is, that, well, I mean, people do realize when they're working on recording sounds at the time is that they were, it was all um, analog recordings. These were all recorded on Nagra, yes. on quarter-inch tape. And something that you just mentioned to me before we started recording was that you guys were recording that at... 15. Yeah. Of, I of eight, found right? out about it actually and I mm-hmm. found the, and did some research and I I'm, I'm not technical but I have instincts sometimes. Yeah, sure. And um I found out that um and maybe Gary Rydstrom even was mm-hmm. was instrumental in, you know, plugging it. But he said, "Oh, he suggested, you know, to digitize stuff at 24 Mm-hmm. Bit rather than sixteen, and well, thank goodness, he, yeah, because that was. Yes, I mean, you're like, how many reels? How many boxes but, of reels do you think you have? Roughly three thousand. So three thousand. When you go to digitize it, you want to make sure it's the right bit depth and everything yes, else. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And now I've been going back and doing it at ninety six. Okay. You know, so I mean, I <laughs> yeah. have you know a number of reels I've done. Yeah, sure. So I, it's it's an endless process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's another part of right. it. And I'm oh, I'm so bad with that. <laughs> it just it needs so badly. It needs it needs a grant and it needs to to have somebody take it. Well, over. with that many We've reels, come close, yeah. come close, mm-hmm. but it just hasn't. So what, what, so what was anyway. the story behind with it? What did you? What's the difference you recognize with? So anyway, with it was. So what happened? It was recorded at 15 inches per second Nagra Master, mm-hmm. which, which is just this little setting. It's Nagra Master versus regular NAB, yeah. and Nagra Master takes out. It, 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 it takes out some of the hiss. Okay. And then at 15, it just sounds so much better. Yeah. And if it's and then I have the proper. Um, 
way to be able to decode it when I'm digitizing it to go back in and to to get that. So it just, it really makes the, a lot of analog sound actually sounds better than, in Mm -hmm. my opinion, than than, um, than digitally recorded Mm -hmm. because there's just something about it that's more mellow or Mm -hmm. soft. It doesn't have that hard edge that that a lot of digital does. I mean, so so much of uh, your process of how you have recorded, your choice of microphones, your choice of gear, and how you work, I think is, it, it obviously shows up in the recording. So for you, you know, yeah. what was it about your, One, with your mic selections or how you went out and recorded? Right. It's something, I mean, I went around, what I, I depend on the most, I had, mm-hmm. I, I say had because unfortunately I'm much older now, so my <laughs> ears don't have the, the, the subtle, incredible sensitivity that they used to have. Mm-hmm. But I used to have just incredibly good, you know, just amazingly good e- mm-hmm. ears. And I... I would just simply listen. Mm-hmm. People would tell me, oh, this microphone's blah, 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 and blah, blah, right, blah. Yeah, yeah. And I would plug it in and listen and hear how it sounds. Mm-hmm. And that's what would impress me. And I got this pair of Sheps that I've been told is like the, the I mean, they're just like, they were perfect. Mm-hmm. They were just, mm-hmm. and I mean, there. It's, I can't tell you. I'm not even going to tell you how many years ago it was that yeah, I got sure. them, and they still work. Yeah. I've had to send them off to Europe a couple of times to get cleaned. Just but, be service, yeah. To, but they're they're just amazing. They're they're beautiful microphones. And another thing about analog that's very hard for me mm-hmm. with digital is when you listen. At least the recorders that I've used, when you listen. You're listening and you're not, you don't necessarily record what you're hearing mm. because you're listening actually analog through the headphones, but you're recording digitally and you don't know what you're going to get until you get it. Mm. And that for me is such a drawback because the subtlety is profound to me. Being able to hear what you get, you know, get what you hear mm-hmm. is just so important. Mm. And for me, it's all about sticking the microphone in. People can tell you, oh, you're just to put them here. And pe-. A lot of right, people, right, you know, right. they set up their microphones and walk away. And I was never do. I mean, I once in a while I've done it because for various reasons but mm-hmm. for the most part I want to have be there and have that connection with the sound so that I hold the microphones in the place that sounds the best and sometimes they're bizarre spots yeah sure but they sound amazing mm-hmm. like one time I early on I mean one I got this job with Alan mm-hmm. uh, a bazillion years ago when I recorded in New York um was a guy who was making uh uh, violins and cellos mm. and I recorded this person rec- playing a cello and I found that the neatest place in this old building where he was playing you know it was a, mm-hmm. the, the kind of workroom for, mm-hmm. was down the hall it wasn't in the room but it was down the hall and the mm. acoustics were just so beautiful and Alan heard that and he hired me I was like oh my <laughs> god <laughs> it was just like well there you go I mean it was that kind of thing you can't it's right. hard to teach. Right. So anyway, I mean, I, I'm going to jump ahead yeah, because I wanted it. to yeah. tell you about, yeah, yeah. you know. What's that? What's, well, I, well, just a, a couple of things. Mm-hmm. One, that over the years I've had so many people contact me mm-hmm. and want to mm-hmm. put out parts of my library yeah. and wanted to make deals with me. And I've I'm been 
and and, not, and they've been really nice people, and some of them I admire enormously. And yeah, yeah. Just at the time, it was just like I, I just didn't want to do it like that. I was sort of wanted to have it be, you know, individual and kind of keep it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know if that was a good idea. I just, for whatever reason, I didn't. I chose not to do it. I to keep my library my own, mm-hmm. and then. There's this jump ahead a lot of years, and you know I'm getting older, and there's this kind of thing of what is going to happen with this mm. library because it's not as it's not very well organized for mm-hmm. the public, and and I do really want people to have ex- access to yeah, it. Yeah, sure. And I thought about, you know, and there was a somebody named a guy named Doug Price with ProSound Audio that would contact me every now and then. Mm-hmm. He was very nice, and he did it in a really nice way where he wasn't pushy, but he was very. I just it was nice. Yeah, there's mutual I'd trust. Go, yeah. Yes, maybe, but you know, later or whatever, we'll talk. Till finally we met and we had like a three-hour dinner, mm. you know, talk at ooh, a Thai restaurant. A few glasses Berkeley. of wine will come. No, yeah, oh, that yeah, too. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just had, I just felt so comfortable with him, and I felt so there was just something. There was a real connection on so many levels that I just thought, you know. I think I want to go with these yeah. people. And lo and behold, what they wanted, they were thinking that, you know, like some kind, they wanted to just try out, we, we're going to just try mm-hmm. out something. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, some one of the categories would be wins, you know, because mm. we don't have many w- wins in our life. And I go, oh, Doug, <laughs> wins. <laughs> because wins are... Of all the things at the library, I mean, wins are just, Alan was just like a nut about wins. Why do you think that was? I don't know. He just mm. had this thing about, he loved to record them. He loves to put them in the, in his movies. And there's so much subtlety mm. and nuance that goes into the wins and, and the films that he, we've worked on. And, you know, we've worked on very different films from nature films to Lynchian, you know. Kind yeah, of, sure. You know, hallways and ominous, whatever, yeah. and ominous and yeah. drones, and but to have that kind of a wind, you know, and you wouldn't necessarily have a wind in the places where we have winds <laughs> interior, but they give a feel, a mood, a kind mm-hmm. of whatever, and that just mm-hmm. that was kind of a, a thing. When do you th- when do you, when do you first remember recording some of these winds? What were some of those places and, and destinations? And he taught me. I mean, okay. you know, he taught me how to record them and I became, you know, very conscious of winds over the years because that was a, yeah. a thing. But um, I I can't rem- honestly can't remember the well, first I mean, place but but, but it was just Oh, gosh. I mean, well, for the Black Stallion. I mean, that was, uh, I don't know, how many years ago? 30 years ago? Yeah, at least probably. 30, 40, 35 years ago, something like that, when I first started working with him. I'll have to look at the dates of all these now. The Black Stallion was (laughs) the first film. That was, well, I came came here and um, I went went for this job interview on the Black Town, I actually went for an assistant picture editor. I just okay. had moved from New York, and my friends in New York thought I was nuts to, because you know I was doing well and it's a sound recourse in New York. And why was I going to move to San Francisco? What's in San Francisco, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I got this seventy nine. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, geez. <laughs> okay. And so um, I got this job. Um, no, I, I, the um, Bob Dalva, the picture editor, yeah, sure. said, you know, the the sound guy really needs somebody to help him mm. with with the with sound, yeah. and you have all the sound background. Maybe you should go talk to him. So I went and talked <laughs> to him, and he hid for a long time. He went out and figured I'd be. He was shy, mm-hmm. and he came back, and as soon as we started talking, it was like, and I played this 
mm-hmm. cello sound. I mean, he was just like, yeah, yeah. oh my goodness. And <laughs> we just we just had such incredible back and forth. Well, you did this, and oh, I recorded that too, and I did that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. did you do bite? He goes, oh my God, you did that. Oh, yeah. And so we just, we really, really connected. connected on yeah. such a deep level. And... Um, Worked together for I don't know it was about six months. There was there was some mm-hmm. kind of also a romantic kind of you know something spark, and I so didn't think that was appropriate because he was my boss, and yeah, I yeah. it was after six months I we went out for dinner or something, and I we kissed, and I I told people, and they thought we were living together like you know four <laughs> months ago before. I mean they were just you know they just assumed like yeah. I couldn't believe so anyway whatever. We, but, I mean, but even before that, I mean I, I'm just looking at even the other project he'd worked on a racer hat in '77, so he had. Yeah, yeah, Alan had. So, so yeah. yeah, so what had happened with so this the Black Stallion was the first major yeah. film that he got, and it was a big deal for him. Carol Ballard was, you know, was his first thing. Francis mm-hmm. Coppola was producing it, and he was doing Apocalypse. And so, right. you know, The Black Stallion was this kid's movie. Yeah, sure. But, oh, my goodness gracious. I mean, Alan got a Special Achievement Academy Award for that film. I mean, that was just, you know, yeah. it was just so, like, people were like, wow. And what had happened when we were working on The Black Stallion? I mean, this is, you know, a mm-hmm. lovely children's nature kind of film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, Francis had gotten this movie of David Lynch's, this young, mm-hmm. this student, you know, person at the American Film Institute from L.A. that people mm-hmm. were talking about. And it had gotten that the the head critic of the Village Voice had called it gutter filmmaking at its worst. <laughs> but, you know, Francis just said, uh-uh. And, and so mm-hmm. he wanted his people to see it, so he showed it. And this was Alan's best friend, mm-hmm. his closest friend, David Lynch. I mean, they were just so... Mm-hmm. Just really close. Intertwined, yeah. And he'd, Alan had talked about David a lot and, you know, making this movie. So I went to see it. Mm-hmm. And I went and saw this movie, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, this is his best friend. And at that time, he had David had already gotten a job offer to work on The Elephant Man in England mm. and had wanted Alan and me to come over to England to work on it. And... I'm after seeing that movie. I'm like, how oh, can I go? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, ah. <laughs> and somehow, I he talked me into it, and I I just loved Alan so much, and I just went, okay, well, somehow we'll manage this. <laughs> and I went over to England, and I met David. Yeah. And I just couldn't believe how different he was from his film. Mm. I mean, I had such a different idea of what this person was than he was so grounded and so smart and so funny and so warm. Mm-hmm. And he in, he was fascinated by violence and by weirdness, but he wasn't it. Yeah. And that's a very big difference. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah. can't, it's just incredible. And I had an amazing time working with them in England. And I mean, we became very close. I and mean, we, we'd go out to eat like, I don't know, five times a week while they, he was still shooting. And he was having a lot of trouble because it, there was Academy Award winning, you know, crew that wanted to turn it into a BBC clip clop drama. And, you know, yeah. it was just like, it's David, you can't. <laughs> oh, my to God. Protect it, no. yeah. And, ah, you know, but anyway, I, it, 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 you know, it just turned out to be a wonderful, wonderful. What do you remember? I mean, from working on even The Elephant Man, 
what was it about the soundtrack that you guys were able to create? What, what was unique about that experience? Oh, gee, I mean, the, the, the sounds, and, and there may even be some sounds in, in my wind collection yeah, sure. from as that far back. Right. But, you know, just the winds, the tonal winds, the kind of evocative feeling mm-hmm. that, that would run through spaces mm-hmm. that created these different worlds that were very, you know, really unique. His, mm-hmm. his, the tonal backgrounds that David used, David and Alan, Mm. had me, you know, I'd go out and record and whatnot and throw in stuff and lots of ideas. <laughs> did, uh, and uh Yeah. Did you so when you were in London, did you record sounds there on, on set or on location lot, or yeah, yes. what were you recording? A lot around England. I recorded you know, I when they were shooting I'd record in spaces where they were shooting. I'd record um one one time David and Alan and I went up to a belt and an old Oh, factory sounds. We recorded a lot of factory yeah. stuff, you know, and old haunted, you know, a building, you know, when they for when for the Elephant Man, like a when he was in in um, you know a, a dispensary, you know, mm-hmm. kind of medical place, you know, mm-hmm. and you just these old spaces, but also just the factory sounds, you know, to give this kind of sense of that time in that place, and but there was this one bell tower, it was this old this area that had, you know had been abandoned, and we we got up into the bell tower, we climbed up a bazillion stairs, and the three of us recorded, and one would tell you know like oh. You know, ju- David yeah, would yeah, jump yeah. up and down, and I'd record, or Alan would record. Mm-hmm. And when one would work the 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 the, the clock tower, and mm-hmm. the other would kind you know perform g- it. give performing ideas. You know, and mm-hmm. the three of us were like, "Oh God, it was so fun! It was just we were <laughs> like three kids just <laughs> goofing around. It was wonderful, wonderful mm-hmm. playing." But yeah. yeah, that was a lot of you know experimenting and just kind of hearing you know old spaces and capturing it. Yeah, and I mean. And then following the Elephant Man and, and finally came on eighty three was Never Cry Wolf, which was going back to working with Carol. Yes. What what was different? What was unique about this project? I mean, it's two. It's one. They're very different, but they're yeah. both very. Both directors, unfortunately, most of the directors that the th- that we worked with yeah. were very sound conscious and in their own way and had their own style. Certainly, yeah. I mean, you know, Carol's was nature. Yeah. But there was he was very specific about what he wanted. I mean, one time, um, Carol wanted, there was a sound of wolves chewing on a carcass. <laughs> and it was early on when I was working with Alan on this movie, and I walked into, you know, Alan had spent a week going out and recording. He went up to a preserve, you know, about an hour and a half away from where we lived, and to record real wolves and bought <laughs> a real carcass. And we went to, you know, a butcher and got a half a cow, you know, or something, and had the, the wolves actually chew on it mm. and came back and played it for Carol. Carol listens to it, and he goes, nah, sounds like a bunch of dogs <laughs> chewing on kibble. I mean, he was just like really, really critical. Yeah. It didn't matter what it was that you were, it was what it sounded like. And fortunately, we had an ability to not be offended by him mm-hmm. for the most part. <laughs> yeah. now, he, because Carol had really, really good taste. And if you'd get into what his taste was, you'd hear it the way you'd hear it. And damn it, you know, it sounded yeah. like, like, dogs chewing on kibble so we went with you know some other you know dogs and a combination of things to get that sound and breaking bones and right. things to get the sound that you would think it would sound like for 
wolves chewing on, on. Yeah. And once again, I mean, this film was recognized and won an Oscar, right? Um, it it got nominated for best sound. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Alan didn't show up for. Um, <laughs> right, for, I love the story. For um, oh, it was so sad. <laughs> I tell the story. Uh, yeah, you should well, say it again. He, he um, <laughs> we were in, Alan had a wonderful ability to be. He he would run away from fame and it would chase off after him with more ferocity than <laughs> ever. You know? Right, right. And with with. Um, the Black Stallion, we were working on the Elephant Man, and we were getting very close to the mix. And he found out he was getting a Special Achievement Award, and he knew ahead of time because right. they made, they hadn't given it to anybody for years. And yeah. it was they were so impressed with the sound in that film that they created a whole new category. You know, I mean, I think before then, it might have been Ben Burt for Star Wars. I mean, before that, I mean, that was 77, I believe. Maybe. Yeah. It might have been. But yeah. it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't it was as often. Quite yeah. A, yeah. And um, so anyway, so he got, yeah, so he got this special achievement mm-hmm. and they knew, he knew ahead of time. Right. And he felt, I mean, he was honored times a bazillion and yeah, so sure. delighted that he was going to get it. But he felt like it wasn't right for him to go there because mm. he would have to take off, you know, the better part of a week. Okay. And it was right before the mix. And he just, he felt like that was compromising his job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the Brits were so ready to change the, you know, mix. <laughs> and he was gone for a week. And, Who knows oh, what would happen? The yeah. Lord knows what would happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he just put his foot down. And the studio and Francis Coppola called us. The head of the United Artists called. You uh, know, there were, he had so much. They were going to fly us on the Concord. I mean, oh if we gosh, come, yeah. and the more they pressured him, the more he said no. Mm. So the night of the Oscars, we watched it, and we watched an abbreviated version. There was no mention of Alan. Went to bed uh-huh. like, oh, you know, they didn't even say anything, mm-hmm. and found out the next day that he was actually the star. People were talking about him more than you know the best mm-hmm. picture. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't even remember what it was that year. Who was the host that year? Huh? Who was the host? Of- Johnny Carson. Okay, it was Johnny Carson. And yeah. so what Johnny Carson had done is he'd made a running gag all night about Alan. Mm-hmm. And he would come out every now and then and make these announcements. Alan Splat, who's getting a special achievement award for sound, mm. uh, just took a wrong turn on the Ventura freeway <laughs> and he'll be here any moment. Alan Splat just got a flat tire, but he's coming. Then later, Alan Splett just picked up Melvin Douglas, but he, you know, they they had a little bit of problems. Melvin's having trouble getting into the car, but they're going to come. Don't worry, you know. And until finally, at the end of the 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 show, he comes out and he goes out from behind the curtain after all the announcement. He goes, "Ladies and gentlemen, first it was George C. Scott, and then Marlon Brando, and now." Alan Splett <laughs> they stood, him stood up. us up at the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he got more publicity for that than <laughs> he ever would have if he'd gone. I mean, it was just so unbelievable. Funny. So anyway, that was Alan's. Alan, Alan was actually um, really venerated when he was, I mean, and not yeah. just because of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he was he was really at the top of, I mean, he, he was offered jobs, you know. You can't imagine. Well, and he was E.T. and, and oh, yeah. Raiders even yeah. before, and he couldn't, he wanted to work with David. I was going to say, I mean, I mean, it was just, you well, know. What people don't realize is what was. Or the English patient. We were working oh, on yeah, the English, sure. we were working on yeah. the English patient when he passed away. Yeah. And I got kicked off because they didn't want the English, the person that got it didn't want the English patient to sound anything like Alan's. I mean, mm. you know, it was just. So anyway, that's what I'm just saying. So yeah. this, so this wind collection jumping ahead 
is I, special. I don't want to jump ahead quite yet because I want to mention Dune, which was right after Never Cry yeah. Wolf. I mean, hmm. there's a lot of wins. There's a lot of just because of the environments and where the film takes place. What was, what was the reason? I mean, how, how you wanted to represent it tonally and just. Right. I'm going to back up for just a second yeah. on Never Cry Wolf. Okay. I just wanted to say I didn't work on that much. Okay. I mean, I I I, I helped with it, mm-hmm. and I you know would kibitz a lot. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but I my I had twins, and I mm. took off and did mama duty for yeah. a little while. So and, <laughs> and the movie was so there are amazing winds in, in Never Cry Wolf. I mean, some of the storm winds and some of the things that are across cross the snow can actually be used you know for sand or snow mm-hmm. either one i mean there's beautiful beautiful winds in that movie now okay jumping head to dune <laughs> totally totally different kind of wind thing but also i mean alan just just alan and and i because i did work very much <laughs> on dune david had amazing ideas in fact david came and lived with us for two weeks he mm-hmm. stayed with us before he shot went down to mexico and he had such incredible ideas and it was so exciting and i started working on that and recording before he even shot and oh my goodness gracious if he could have had free reign mm-hmm. on that film i would have filmed that would have been <laughs> but anyway so there was tonal just they're kind of imagining what you know. There, anything goes with imagining what those places were like, in, in outer space and so on. Mm-hmm. You know, and with with Dune, and we just created these tonal winds. These and Alan, you know, I'd record and Alan would take them and you know and design them. And so a lot of the number of the winds that are in this wind collection are are designed. I mm. mean, they're not. You're not going to find them in yeah. you know. Putting your microphone right, just out microphone. Anywhere. So, what what were, what were some of the other sounds that he was using? Um, I can't. Was it synthesizers or like electronic sources? I, you or know, gosh, I can't remember. It was more yeah. of layering and okay. slowing. A lot of slow, slowing down is a real process. It's it, it's <laughs> wonderful in in analog because it doesn't take away from the sound like it does in in um, in, in digital, mm-hmm. you know, it's a whole different kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's actually some winds that were played at full speed and at half speed and at three quarters speed. And they're, they're, they sound totally different. You'll right. hear them yeah, yeah, yeah. in this. I, I just slowed them down, you yeah. know, and, and they're like, oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> but um, they there's all kinds of I, I don't remember anymore the kinds of things. I mean, it wasn't a lot of processing. He was not into synthesizers, okay. for example. He didn't like he yeah. didn't like synthetic sounds. Okay. So it was kind of natural sounding, but it was its own sort of thing. <laughs> and yeah. um, it made it unique in a yeah. way. But so there's 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 um, there's these evocative tones that, that give a mood, a feeling, a kind of you know whatever. Yeah. That, that are, I mean, they're, they're their so wind dis- tones are yeah. very distinct. They're really, yeah, distinct. And I mean, look, going ahead further down the line of, of films, you, it looks like there were, uh, Blue Velvet, Mosquito Coast, Unbearable Lightness of Bean, all different types of settings and environments. But yes. I, 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 in Mosquito Coast, you know, the, another kind of nature outdoor right. film. 
What were some of the the wins that you guys were recording for that film? Oh my goodness gracious, yeah. I mean, a lot of insects, a lot know, of like... Yeah, you know. with, insect, with Mosquito Coast. And I mean, oh my goodness, that was, you know, capturing, yeah, I think sounds in the jungle. I mm-hmm. went down in the jungle for several weeks and recorded in the middle of you know, <laughs> the jungle and out at night sometimes. It was really, mm-hmm. woo, we had a guide that was... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> kind of t- makes you question what you're doing when you're out in the yeah. middle of the night. I had one time, oh, this is a side <laughs> story. Yeah. We were recording, it was real quiet. We were trying to get, you know, the ambience is the jungle at night. And Alan finally turns around. I was had the microphones pointed one way and he had them the other. Yeah. He turns around and he says, will you be quiet? Why are you moving so much? And I looked at him and I said, I was thinking the same thing about you. I'm not moving at all. And we both look and we realize there's a creature out there. Jeez. It was moving around and it was a big one. Oh my God. And we decided maybe we better Time to head take, home. take, take, yeah. Uh, there's, uh, gosh, I mean, just looking ahead, even I think of Dead Poets Society in 89. There's incredible cold winds yeah. that show up in that film. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you remember from uh, how Peter Weir wanted to make those plays? Even the beginning of the film starts off with, you know, it's kind of the procession of the students in the hall. and That's right. There's, there's like yeah, a good... Yeah, there's this, an, the ambience in the hall. Yeah. And that, those, the, uh, there's a whole different kind of tonal quality. Yeah. Yeah. What, what what do you remember from Dead Post Society in terms of how, how how winds played into just the coldness of that? Well, it just yeah. it's just a different yeah. tone though. It's just mm-hmm. a different quality, you know. I mean, just to to make it seem more mm-hmm. Peter Weir. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's you know, to make it feel yeah. more like it's you know in that space. It's a little surreal, but not. Yeah, one there's not one size fits all at right. all. I mean, they're very different. I mean, the, my goodness, David and Peter are very, very different qu- kind of styles, and yet they both re- respect each other enormously. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 so funny looking ahead here. Carol did this film called Wind in '92. Yeah, so <laughs> that's with right. a film called Wind. <laughs> that's right, and it's about <laughs> s- sailing. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that you guys would take a really heightened approach to wind in general. What, 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 do you, what can you say about working on a film called Wind with winds in a film like that? Oh, goodness gracious. What can I say? It was a lot of wind recording. A lot of, yeah, boats. I mean, my yeah. goodness gracious. I, we ended up actually buying Carol's boat. Uh-huh. We got a, uh, it was a beautiful old folk boat. Yeah. It, Just take it out and have a chance to record it. To record it, yeah. Yeah. What's the main difference of when you're dealing not only with the winds, but with water laps and everything else? Do, oh, they're one and the same. Whole, yeah. Oh, no. I mean, so, it's so different. Yeah. But, you know, getting, you know, the water laps and finding a place in the boat that, you know, if you, do you want the, yeah, where do you want to capture the, the wind? The, the trick with wind, I mean, the A number one trick with recording wind is it's complicated recording it. Yeah. It's finding the space it's how the wind moves through a certain air space. If it's moving across sand, snow, yeah. through trees, around a building, through a building, you know, open space. But it's how it hits a certain thing. So it's not just open. It's that friction. It's not because, yeah, you yeah. can't, you because, you know, the microphone just breaks up if you stick it out straight, and wind, straight yeah. in. Right. You've got to find a place that's protected. And that you can capture 
the wind as it's hitting a certain space. Mm-hmm. And that makes all the difference in the world. And, you know, the wind in, in there's amazing spaces that you can find, you know, just being outside mm-hmm. and finding this little bush, you know, that's, that's kind of protected. and It's got a rock in front of it, you yeah. know, and it just it's like, wow, if you get around there, yeah. you can get yeah. such and such, you know, or and it's finding these little cool spots that mm-hmm. where that microphone just is right. gets the best quality and it's not a thing that you can you know just yeah say just, one not right. one size fits all because it's profoundly doesn't and it's yeah. you know it's a quality that you want and sometimes you can be really far away from it but the wind is conducting through some for example, I have a wind through tunnel, through mm-hmm. a tunnel, a metal, um, a metal pipe, I think it is, right. that I played for you. Mm-hmm. And it's got such evocative, beautiful sound in it. And that that was recorded through a pipe, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you so you were definitely out of the wind. But, oh, my goodness, how mm-hmm. it, that the wind sounded just amazing going through there, yeah. through just how it captured, you know, the outside yeah. through there. It was just, wow. I think too that a lot of times when people recordists go out outside and they're not in a studio location or in a controlled environment, they're going out with, you know, the various um, wind buffers of the, you know yeah. the dead cat, whatever. Yeah. Can you record winds? I mean, is it you have to record? I mean, when you're outside, you have to basically use these to. I mean, can yeah. you record winds with just an open microphone without any? Well, not being in the wind for sure. <laughs> I mean, if it, no, no, you want to have, you want to have, you want to have, you want to have, um, you know, protection. Yeah. I mean, you, that's, yeah. I mean, it seems like it goes against, you're trying to record something, but then you're also trying to reduce the direct contact to a microphone. It just seems oh, counterintuitive, but it's the only Ab- way, maybe. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And it, you know, sometimes, I mean, if you, if you record without that, you, then you, got to have maximum well you have to have maximum protection yeah so that the wind doesn't get through it yeah i mean i you know if you're recording even just in the day you you know have to have because a breeze or something can go through the microphone and it you know distorts it so Mm. yeah i mean mean, it speaks it just speaks to the tech the the technique like you're saying of positioning of microphones and how that influences the sound of what, what you're what you're capturing when right. you're something that we can't see, we can sense, we can definitely hear it when we have a microphone, we can hear it with our ears, but it's like, it's once again, it's like sound is this invisible art in a way. You're very right. I mean, yeah. ha- having these beautiful uh, acoustophone right. around the mic is, is very important I mean, yeah. to have that protection or, or having, you know, th- that also is course important so when, when you were fluffy fluffy things <laughs> <laughs> the dead cat whatever you know yeah. well so when you were approached by um, pro sound effects about doing this library and they said we want to do wins and mm-hmm. you know you have real thousands of reels of, <laughs> of lots. <laughs> uh, lots of different yeah. recordings how i mean obviously it's been archived it's been transferred and yeah. uh, digitized and and labeled and whatnot but then how did you determine how to organize this collection what were the well, cr- what's well, the criteria well that's a good question originally they were going to put out uh five separate packages oh, small wow. small packages okay. and then or and then one you know the the whole one together right so we had different categories i'll tell you the categories mm-hmm. they were called slightly different things i've changed the names yeah. 
but one was nature. So it was, you know, and nature includes, you know, water through waves, it includes mountains, it includes tr- going through trees, across the sand, through snow, you know, and that's, Anything so that's nature. Yeah. And we still have these categories, but mm-hmm. we've included it all in one package. We yep. decided not to do these little ones. Yeah. And Another one is we originally they, we I called it you know um, had a lot of different names for it but eerie and mm-hmm. moody and sad or whatever we so I put moody call the moody winds and they're they're mm-hmm. different emotions you know the winds have kind of a mournful um, you know sad or tonal or you know whatever I don't think any of them are I would say happy <laughs> but, <laughs> but they have you know kind of different feelings that give when you listen they kind of give you a, a, a feeling a sort of you know mm-hmm. whatever and there's some are very subtle um, and and sometimes some of them are low and lower <laughs> I mean just even mm-hmm. when you look at the naming structure you know yeah. you have the words to describe it, hollow, moaning, ghostly, cold, deep, massive, uh, crying, unsettling, ominous. Abyss. Abyss. <laughs> there's abyss, right. Exactly. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, right. So there's that. And then there's um, there's another uh, one, interior winds. Mm-hmm. And those are interior kind of, we've, I think my interiors kind of go more lynchy. And then, okay. you know, the, there's a few that are just normal. I think I just threw them in to kind of give people a variety, you know, like a real apartment, how it would sound, mm-hmm. you know, without all the, you know, kind of, but, but most of them have a kind of quality. And I don't want it to sound like, you know, it's not air conditioning because it's more of a, right. you know, mm-hmm. it has a uh, something that is maybe a little surreal in mm-hmm. a way, but interior or not surreals. I don't know if that's the right word, but mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. it kind of takes you to a place. And um, let's see what else. Let's see, the, another category was oh, storms. So mm-hmm. I did a whole collection of storm winds was uh, part of the the category was and something about that there's like the the different types there's ones that are this like considered or they're described as a deep hurricane a shrieking a stormy atomic wind mm-hmm. bitter moaning dense howl uh, yeah. it's you and know. then approaching some of the ones yes. yeah just the storm approaching and so on so yeah yeah the storms i think are i think people will find there's some really very cool storms in there that you might not been able to kind of Mm-hmm. Use. I mean, yeah. you, and, and, you, and again, one of the things that's very important, I mean, you know, is to, for anybody using these is to, to layer them to have your own, to design your own stuff out of them. And that's what people, as I've supplied sounds, is mm-hmm. it's being able to kind of guide people to doing their own thing to, you know, so there there's wonderful ideas and they can be used as is or they can be, you know, changed and developed into something you know, new and, and, yeah. and creative in your own. And, and yet, you know, in this package that's extremely cheap compared, I mean, I have to tell you that mm-hmm. the, the I feel a little sad for the people that have paid a lot of money for my wins, mm-hmm. you know, to give, to supply them so inexpensively. Well, they had 30 plus years to track you down to yeah, get them, I, so. I guess so. Thank, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. But there's 89 wins in this, in this collection. No, there's more or than no, 98, that. 98. 98. 98. 98. Yeah. There's 98 different wins yeah. in, in, in a very, you know, a variety of categories. And just having a chance to yeah. listen to them, it really gets your mind thinking of, gosh, I really need to figure out a way to incorporate this into my next project because <laughs> pe- people don't think about wins in a way they think, all right, well, we need 
an ambient, but we don't think of winds as a character, yeah. which I think this library That's... captures, which is which, which I think definitely sets it apart from what I've just I've right. heard winds. And I, like You're I know right. I know the difference of winds, the very yeah. obvious ones, but this is this is taking wind, and I think obviously it takes it a different you know, different realm. Winds is a common theme throughout yeah. a lot of your films. Mm-hmm. What was it? What is it that's special in your mind about winds that you think you were coming back? You and Alan were coming back to them throughout your films and, and using winds to use as a, you know, to tell stories with sound. Well, I think that the winds are so ethereal, mm-hmm. and and they they have a presence without you're being conscious of them mm. where they can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think when you're watching a lynching, you don't think, oh, that's a weird wind or something. You know, yeah. It's just something that's very, you don't think about, but it has a an impact. It has an emotional feeling that it gives you to a space and a kind of place. Mm-hmm. And David has a wonderful way. I mean, David can use sounds that are, you, you, you just really wouldn't have such and such in that space. But I mean, he's not a literal mm-hmm. person. Yeah. One time I, um, somebody contacted me and he was really into David Lynch and he had this, I worked with him for, oh God, I was so excited about doing sound design. Mm-hmm. And we got to the mix and he became so literal minded. Mm. It was just, he just destroyed the movie mm-hmm. because he goes, oh, that wouldn't be, you know, such and such a, tr- you know, blop. That was a, you know, he just became extremely literal minded. And it was, nobody would know except for who cares. Yeah, sure. But it just, oh, it was painful. Mm-hmm. It's just, pa- I mean, oh my God. <laughs> he just didn't get the whole mm-hmm. the nuance of it. I the suppose, nuance, yeah. the the thing where you don't, where sound, you don't think about if this is a B four sixty six train, you know, with a X thirty two engine, but it's more of you know, does it does mm-hmm. that smoke coming out of the 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 thing, you know, reflect the person that's sitting on the train's mood, you know, sure. and that that's the kind of thing that I go for. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the, the, yeah, it just is, it's yeah. Just, just thinking about sound and as a, not just a literal component of the soundtrack in a way, which, yeah. Sound has a perf- Sound really, really can have a profound impact on a movie. I mean, it can so profoundly change your feeling about a film. And it does it in such a a subliminal way that you, you're not conscious of it, and you shouldn't be when you're watching it. But people don't realize the amount of work and the amount of thought that goes into creating that mm-hmm. that world. I mean, it's they people say that that sound is the first our first sense when we come into life, and it's the last one to go. Yeah, and yet you know it's so subtle. So there you go. <laughs> it's one like we said, like I was saying before. It's just one of those things you can't touch. You can't see, yeah. Yeah. but yet it so has, it emotionally goes straight from our ears to our heart in a way that affects us, you know, I think just as greatly as the image, if not greater, depending on... That's right. Yeah, depending That's on what right. the sound is. And yeah. that and great directors know that. If you look at the the lovely clip that you you mm. had recorded of David talking about right. about you know sound and what you know being fifty percent of the movie mm-hmm. and talking about Alan's winds and mm-hmm. how important they are. Yeah, that's a great for people who haven't seen it online. You can check out we 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 went to go visit David 
three years ago, maybe yeah. four years ago, yeah. down in LA in his home. And I just had a chance to talk with him about his work and his collaboration with Alan and Anne. And um, just out of that conversation, he mentioned his, <laughs> his, his appreciation for the winds and the recordings, which is a cool little now with this library coming out you can yeah you can hear it was such him, but, a lovely yeah. quirk it was just such a lovely yeah. thing because he you said it, we had no it was just came so out of the blue that he mentioned that yeah and yeah it's, it's it, it'd be interesting to ask him again now to say you know how sound has been i mean just like you're saying carabao is someone who's very sensitive and has a great understanding of sound someone like david mm-hmm. who understands the nuances of using and collaborating with you know sound mm-hmm. designers and whatnot to and Peter really? Weir too. Yeah, sure, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel you know there's a lot of great directors who understand deeply the importance yeah, of. They do. Yeah, you know, they really do. Yeah, you know. they 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 really do. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just so get it. Phil Kaufman's somebody who really gets it too, and mm-hmm. I it's sad that I've never, I I haven't been able to. I feel like. Um, I worked on a film where I was actually editing stuff for mm-hmm. for a film that Phil was working doing, and there were all kinds of political things that mm-hmm. happened, and and I didn't play, I didn't let him hear before or Alan or anybody what I was doing, and mm-hmm. I figured that the mix will decide, <laughs> and in the mix they decided that they were going to make it into a, they were not going to have a lot of sounds, and they were going to get rid of all the birds. Oh jeez, yeah. Before, and so they didn't even hear them. Yeah. And it was it was so painful to me mm-hmm. because it was the film that I'd probably put. I mean, I felt like I. Oh my God! If you could have only heard, mm. just I it just it's okay. I tell my kids, you know, it's okay to reject something. You just know what you're rejecting. <laughs> I mean, I just I had these birds that were playing with this guy playing an instrument, and singing mm-hmm. to his love, and I had a bird, like just innocently kind of chirping and mm-hmm. getting involved in. It just oh my God! It's it was a t- so I, I, I hear sad. often. I feel like when 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 sound. When sound is working for a director, it's usually they don't. It's it's less likely that they're going to comment. It's more of the things that they don't like that they're going to respond to, yeah. and that are going to be a little more obvious. Yeah, and yeah. and I was you know I was the wifey and whatever <laughs> sure. you know, and I, there were some people that were very competitive with me and did not want wifey to you know get any kind of you know recognition, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah, I didn't, and my and Alan was bad, and that he was even threatened that. I just you know whatever and so it was just like oh my god and I just it was so painful because I feel like there's there's some kind of connection that if we Mm -hmm. never were able to make Mm -hmm. that I've I would love to have been able to the one that got away got away yes exactly (laughs) I I feel like every creative has those nightmares of when they watch back their film after it's been you know you always it's not you you don't Mm. you don't finish the film it just gets taken away from you because you run out of time, yeah, you know, and yeah. that I feel is a, uh, oh. a the terrible reality of you know when you're working on these things, you can never really get it to the best perfection, and I, that's why yeah. I'm excited actually. You know, coming back to this library, I feel like I'm really excited for this library to get out now because I feel like I've I've been listening to it now for a long time. <laughs> I've been I've been enjoying right. it and hearing it, and Aww. I've never used it, but I, I feel like now Aww. that it's out there, I feel like you're allowing a lot of people to think about wind in a way that I think is a completely different perspective. You know, it's less frequent that someone is going to think of something so subtle as a wind that can have such an influence on, on the, on the film uh, sound. So 
kudos to to you and Pro Sound Effects for thinking about wins. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And I guess for people who want to find out more, obviously you have a lot more sounds besides wins, but you also have a whole library, which is really exciting. And, and I think they can soundmountain.com is a great place to check check out and reach out to you. And I think the thing that I've always admired is about you is that you've been, like you said, you get people all around the world that are reaching out to you and really interested about you and your and your work and your library, which not even... I don't know if you want to talk about it, but like there's the incredible history of the AFI library of some of these amazing... Oh, that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, the AFI library. But that's something that we... I've just... I have this collection of several hundred tapes yeah. that were from early Hollywood movies. Mm-hmm. They're the sound of... And they were given to Alan... They were given to the American Film, donated to the American Film Institute because library, I mean, um, sound effects editors didn't save their sound effects back when because there wasn't a way to do it. And they just gave all this analog tape and all these, you know, mag to the AFI. And Alan, that was first job Mm -hmm. when he went there was to to get to get that library and, to, and he's got it all cataloged unlike me he was you know <laughs> what year do you think that was brilliant what year was that around uh well it was when they were making eraser head so it was okay. it was early 77 on 77 or before yeah. that yeah 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 earlier even yeah even yeah yeah okay. i think yeah even yeah earlier but, but he had the responsibility he, he but he, he archived went, it so he passing, went yeah. through it he went he he transferred it to tape to mm-hmm. quarter inch tape and he Digitized, not digitized it. He yeah. he he put it to you know Just they didn't inch, have yeah. digital at the time. Right. They took quarter inch tape, and and cataloged it. Right. So I transferred it to all to digital. Yeah. And I mean it's just this amazing library. I had um, Ben Burt came in, and mm-hmm. um, I'm going to tell you this story that I I'm going to relay this story. Yeah. Being naughty, but I <laughs> okay do please. It. Ben, okay. <laughs> he came. Ben's Ben's an amazing sound person, mm-hmm. but he's also very protective of his, yeah, whatever. Understandable. And, he's worked and, on some pretty high and, profile. And projects, Alan yeah. was was a you know had a certain. I, I don't know. Guys have this thing about you know that women don't have it, and we're like, but you know that if, if one person gets a little more, then then this takes away, and it, right. no, it doesn't take away at all. Guys, no, it doesn't <laughs> at all. But anyway, yeah. so anyway, so he came, he came to my library, mm-hmm. and he he went through it, and he wanted to go through the AFI collection. Ben knew the AFI and mm-hmm. knew Alan back when when they were you know mm-hmm. kids, yeah, and listen and and got a lot of stuff for it and he originally i don't know it was like for going to be for teaching and i was mm-hmm. like oh ben you know i you can't pay me all that money for that you know you just yeah. come on it's okay and anyway one day he was here he was at my place for over a week yeah and you know just every day we'd go through all these amazing sounds yeah and sure just, and um he he said, "Do you and do you have any guys like screaming?" Like, <laughs> and I said, "Well, yeah, you know, I've got. I think I have like a tape and a half of it, you know." Oh, and geez. just so I started playing just different screaming guys, and all of a sudden, he just got really serious, and he goes, "Could you play that again for me?" <laughs> and 
I had no idea about this famous sound. The Wilhelm. The Wilhelm. I I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, so I played it again for him and he goes, I have been looking for that sound for 30 years. (laughs) I didn't think it existed. And it was a Wilhelm. I had a collection of Wilhelms, and it was a different Wilhelm mm. than than the everybody else has. Yeah, it yeah. been, been out. There was another Wilhelm that he wanted to have. Mm-hmm. He'd heard it somewhere, and it was in Allen's. It was in the AFI collection, but he didn't remember. Mm-hmm. And there it was. <laughs> there was the original Wilhelm. And so I, you know... Gave it to him. I didn't know. You yeah, know, sure. And I should have charged him a bazillion dollars. No, no, for it's a Wilhelm scream. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. like whatever. And so he was has been putting it in. There's a new Wilhelm out there. It's been in a number of movies now. Probably people even know about it. And there's probably a lot of stories sure. because that's all happening. But there you have it. I mean, it's <laughs> that that library. Is got is really amazing. I mean, it's it's a little funky in that it doesn't have the sound quality that the fidelity you know, is obviously a little different. Yeah, back then. yeah. But oh my goodness gracious, <laughs> holy smoly moly! Some of the sounds and you know iconic movies and sound effects, and they're in there, and that needs to be out to people too. And it it's a little complicated. I have the rights to it. The AFI says about ninety percent. They're sure that you know I have it, but it's that ten. I just, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> I want to make sure that it's okay. Yeah, and I'd like to be able to, you know, have people hear it. Yeah. Well, yeah, and yeah. be able to, you know, whatever they can use cool, authentic s- sounds from from a long time ago. You know, a long time ago. Yeah. And, I mean, there's there's you know like traffic in the. You know, back when doesn't sound the same. Yeah, the sound of New York, even so. Or even, even you know, Walla, which we call you know, it's like people talking. I mean, they didn't people. They had sort of you know, back when people had Americans had kind of more English accents (laughs) than we do now. Yeah, it's exciting, and that's the thing that happens with I think libraries in general is it's easy to. You know, with reels, you have them in the closet here. You can physically see them when you have them digitized and whatnot. It's on a hard drive. Uh huh. And you kind of lose, I think, I don't know if you lose track, but you just, uh, the perspective, I think, changes of the history of the sounds, you know, and that, yeah. that's the thing also, you know, not only do you have the quarter inch reels, the originals, we also have the handwritten notes and the kind of breakdowns of what's on those reels, which yeah. when we were digitizing those, it was fun to go through because you can see the understanding it and even it's, that stuff gets carried over in the digital version where there's yeah. descriptions and how stuff mm-hmm. is tagged and Mm-hmm. You know, so people can find stuff, but there's these kind of the hierarchies for organizing sounds is it's a real art. There's, that's you know. that's been my biggest problem, and some people are really good at it, mm-hmm. and I've been really afraid to take my sound effects and to to name them to make them banal. Mm-hmm. By, because there's so many different things they could be good, they could be useful for. Right, it's not a specific And I don't want to yeah. right. narrow it too mm-hmm. much, and so I end up yeah. not doing that. Well, <laughs> but, I, but, yeah. but, you know, that's not my gift. Is to, yeah, I, I think, yeah. well, even look at this, the Wind Library, it's 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 more of an emotional, word, uh, an emotional kind of yeah. attribute versus, you know, the place... Right. The the physical place of because where I, it was yeah, recorded. Because yeah, because I don't want to narrow it. I don't right. want people to, to think to, in too narrow of a... Right. 
of just saying that this wind, yeah. this wind or this sound should only be used for this type yeah. of thing, which yeah. obviously is not always the case. So exactly, yeah, it's a good good point. Exactly. Um, yeah, so just ra- wrapping up, I think um, yeah, for folks who want to find out more, definitely check out the Pro Sound Effects website where the uh, Cinematic Winds Library is out now, and then obviously. If you want even more sounds, there's Anne and her incredible library at soundmountain.com, which I think <laughs> I know what's there, and it's really exciting. I, I feel like I've, I have some old photos of just being in a room where you have three or four walls surrounding a quarter-inch tape around you. and Floor you, to ceiling. Yeah, floor to ceiling, and, and you just kind of, you're questioning if breathing this amount of quarter-inch tape is healthy, but listening to sounds is, it never gets old. So um, it was a lot of fun, Anne, to to talk about this new library, and I hope it's not the last. Thank you so much, Mike. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I'd love love to hear you. <laughs> Memories. Thank you. Blessings. Thanks again for listening to my chat with Ann Krober about her new sound effects library, Cinematic Winds, now featured on prosoundeffects.com. You can hear more conversations with sound designers, composers, and directors on the Soundworks Collection podcast on iTunes and streaming online at soundworkscollection.com.